0: Let us pray. O Lord, we are baptized into your Son's body, and we are blessed to eat and drink the spiritual food of his body and blood. Thank you for giving us new birth, a new pathway, and a heavenly goal. Our sinful flesh yet clings to us, however, rearing its ugly head and needing regular vigilance and exercise to be kept in line. Grant us the endurance and preparation necessary to overcome and obtain the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is from the first epistle of St. Paul to the Corinthians, beginning with the ninth chapter, the 24th verse. Please rise. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest... When I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. There are some who have the mistaken idea that Christians don't need to hear much about the law. We know we're sinners, goes the argument. And what we really need is the comfort of the gospel. Don't harp too much on sin. Well, let me question that first by saying if Christians don't need to hear much about their sin because they know it, shouldn't that argument also then go the same for the gospel? Christians know the gospel, so they don't need to hear it. Of course, that's absurd. Further, the idea that Christians don't need the law is called antinomianism, and it was put down by the reformers in the 16th century. In the formula of Concord, Lutherans confess, because of fleshly lusts, God's truly believing, elect, and regenerate children need the daily instruction and admonition, warning, and threatening of the law in this life. But they also need frequent punishments, so they will be roused, the old man driven out of them, and they will follow God's Spirit. And if we will recognize when the law makes us uncomfortable, when it makes us squirm under its hot gaze, and then we confess our sins and return to the grace of Christ in the gospel. And there you see that for Christians, every function of the law drives you toward Christ. This is the thought behind our epistle today, where St. Paul teaches you that you need discipline for spiritual things. Under that theme, first recognize that complacency is not Certainty, knowing as you do that Christians are saved by grace, not by works, you might be resistant to the idea that you need to exercise or work. You know the message of the gospel, which gives you certainty of salvation on the basis of Christ's work, not on your uncertain works. Why would you want to mix in any of your own efforts? That's not what we're doing, of course. Paul says, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty." Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. His certainty remains, you see. It's really the driving factor behind his work and his exercise. The exercise St. Paul means is not to merit forgiveness of sins by that discipline, but to keep his body in subjection and prepared for spiritual things for carrying out the duties of his calling. The devil wants you complacent. He wants you to think that since God in Christ has handled all your spiritual things, you don't need to devote much thought or any effort to it. As with all the devil's lies, he speaks half-truths. The paradox, in fact, is this, that salvation is sure in grace and through none of our own efforts. But we must exercise in spiritual things. The nation of Israel serves as an illustration. Like you, they received their sacraments, marking them as God's people. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. St. Paul is bringing up the same topic that St. John the Baptist preached on. Speaking to the Pharisees, John said, Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. The attitude of the Pharisees was one of self-righteous complacency. But the history of their fathers and the history of humanity teaches them and you that complacency is not certainty. Israel, having passed through the Red Sea, having the blessings of God's food, being God's chosen people, nevertheless, were still in danger of wandering from God's way if they were not attentive to the discipline and repetition of the law. After the conquest of the Promised Land, the generation who came in died, And the book of Judges says another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done in Israel. For then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And this tragic history is recorded also as a warning for you. All of Israel's errors are recorded as a warning to you. Even the sins of the apostles, for example, when Peter denied his Lord three times, are all recorded as warnings to you. As St. Paul says later in this same letter, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Even if you regularly come to the divine service, even if you are baptized, even if you receive the Lord's Supper every week, don't complacently believe, you're covered. Faith that is not exercised or that is ignored is open to attack from the devil, and his attacks will not be as obvious as you may think. Instead, where your muscles of faith become weak, he will convince you that they are strong. He will change your focus. He will remove from you your ongoing sense of dependency on Christ, and instead you will find your faith relying on, on something else jesus parable in our gospel illustrates exactly how this happens those who were hired first by the landowner even though they knew exactly how much they would be paid convinced themselves that they would receive more they focused not on the word of their employer but on their own perspective and their own efforts And so they complained against the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. The landowner rightly refocuses them on his gracious choice. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things, or is your eye evil because I am good? So your exercise of faith is, in fact, to drive exactly toward certainty in Christ. Your exercise is, in fact, not ultimately your effort. It's what God, your heavenly Father, provides you. Solomon said in his Proverbs, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Jesus also discusses the way God's exercise of our faith comes upon us, mentioning various tragedies that have apparently senselessly befallen some others. And Jesus says, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And that also tells us what our, repen- what our exercise truly is. It's repentance that is turning to God and away from our sinful or self-centered thoughts and ideas and actions, and then bearing fruit, showing love to our neighbor and to God. When you understand the way repentance is the center of your spiritual exercise, then you see why you need to keep receiving spiritual things. In saying that complacency is not certainty, I have stayed just shy of saying that the sacraments are no guarantee And that is because they are precisely the guarantee. Yes, Israel received shadows of the sacraments and nevertheless fell away. And yes, I'm sure that you know people who were raised in the church only to fall away as adults. But there is no salvation apart from the means of grace. No one from Israel entered the promised land if he wasn't first baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea or who hadn't eaten the same spiritual food and drunk the same spiritual drink. Apart from Christ who followed them as the rock in the wilderness, no one could have life. Jesus in the flesh told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. From the context, we know that coming to the Father means coming to life. This is precisely why your spiritual exercise is all about Christ. You run, and you compete. Effort and self-control are involved, but not your own effort. You go too far if you start looking at your own effort. That's the error of the Pharisees. Complacency is the other side of confidence in your own efforts. Like those hired in the first hour of the day, Israel in the wilderness got themselves entitled, convincing themselves of God's injustice against them. They longed for their bondage in Egypt. They looked back on those days, even only a few months after leaving, and remembered it this way. They said, we sat by the pots of meat and ate bread to the full. This is the trick your sinful flesh experiences. At first, it may seem as though spiritual exercise will be easier than fleshly Exercise, but soon it's proven that all those spiritual exercises don't merely involve an emotional sense or intellectual pursuits. Your whole being is involved. You will endure the heat of the day. The efforts of your day to day life might seem easier than if only you didn't have to also worry about spiritual things. If only you could go back from this wilderness journey and go sit by the flesh pots in Egypt. Saint Paul reminds you of the goal, an imperishable crown. Jesus said in Revelation, "Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life." It's yes, whatever difficulties arise for your faith, persecution from the world, the struggle of your sinful flesh, the onslaught of the devil and his spiritual and spiritual forces. Endurance, effort, And self-control and spiritual things will result in blessing. But this endurance, effort, and self-control cannot come from you. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to you through his word and sacraments, through the ministry of your pastor, through the shared faith of your fellow Christians, so that you endure. St. Paul uses the illustration of running a race. I ran cross-country in high school, and I can speak to the experience that when I ran alone for exercise, I consistently ran shorter distances than when I ran with teammates or when I ran a race. When I ran a race, I knew concretely what the goal was. I could run farther and harder then than I could when aimlessly running alone. When I ran with teammates, our mutual endurance was propped up and strengthened, and a moment would often occur when we felt what's called a runner's high, a feeling that however long the path might go, not only could we go indefinitely together, but we would enjoy it, we would even love it. Any other mode of being, walking, standing, or sitting would seem absurd and silly in such a state. Who would do such a thing if they could run in this way? As Christians, your race in this world will be hard to endure. It's harder when you are alone, and it's harder when you lose sight of the finish line. When running by yourself without a clear picture of where you're going or why, you can cut yourself some slack. You can slow down, walk, or even decide to stop running before you really should. But surrounded by your fellow Christians, reminded of the aim of your race through the divine service you will find it easier to endure the writer to the hebrews highlighted this therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross for you. He ran the greatest race, the effort making him sweat drops of blood. Your race is now following him. Again, not to merit forgiveness, but because you are forgiven. This is a life of God making you holy. He gives you more and more of his spirit, his holiness, so that Your life matches what he has declared your life to be in Christ. Israel was called God's firstborn through the Passover. And he claimed them through the crossing of the Red Sea. But through the wilderness, he made them look more and more like it. And that is your life now. In your baptism, you are called God's child. Through the food of Jesus' body and blood, you are sustained in that new identity. Each time you receive his blessings in repentance and thanksgiving, you are marked holy again and again, disciplined in this journey to receive even more fully these blessed spiritual things. Even when you hear the law, then see Christ. The law may reveal your sin and you will squirm, but immediately you should see Christ. See his cross and forgiveness offered in word and sacrament. And rejoice that the law has not stopped your race, but instead, in Christ, it urges you on. God has laid out a pathway for you in Christ. And on this pathway, you go with your fellow Christians, led ahead by the means of grace. Come, repent, receive the blessings, rejoice, and run toward the goal. Amen.